Bodybuilding is an individual sport, and the interpretation of the judging criteria is going to be different on you than it is going to look on someone else. Is bodybuilding about selfies, steroids, magazines, and muscles? How do I become a successful pro bodybuilder or fitness competitor? Where do I even start if I'm new? And the biggest question of all, what are the judges looking for anyway? Even today with the internet, many people first discover bodybuilding by word of mouth. A lack of regulation has caused a boom of unqualified coaches, scattered info, biased advice, dangerous protocols, and posing trends that are a hot mess. After 20 years in the business, I have seen it all. Week after week, I'm gonna talk about taboo topics that get swept under the rug, provide you tips and strategies to gain a competitive edge and stand out on stage in any division or federation. I'm gonna answer all the burning industry questions without the bias. I have competed across six federations, earned pro status in three, and judged in two. I've coached posing and choreography for men and women in all federations and divisions. I know just how much competing means to you. I'm your host, Michelle Welcome, and you are listening to the Everything Else in Bodybuilding podcast. Be sure to download your free guide, Five Things Every Bodybuilder and Fitness Competitor Needs to Know Before Your Next Show at eeinbb.com. That's www.eeinbb.com. Living in Las Vegas before the Olympia competition is quite the experience. Every gym you go to has people preparing for the competition, so there is a hype and an energy that is motivating and exciting. I love a good competition. My grandmother used to always say that too. I love a good competition. She loved sports. She had her favorite teams for especially basketball and football and was known to jump on the couch and cheer when her team won the Super Bowl. I may not jump out of my seat and cheer when someone wins a bodybuilding show, but I do get hyped up to see the show and find out who wins. I like to compare who wins with my own projections, too. Leading up to this year's competition, there was a ton of podcast hosts discussing the lineups and offering their projections on who would win or at least make the top 10. Open men's bodybuilding and the bikini and wellness divisions received the most hype, that in classic physique. Mostly bodybuilding in classic physique, though. You wouldn't even know there was a women's bodybuilding, men's physique, women's physique, or figure division. I mean, zero hype surrounding them. Social media, and especially YouTube, have really heightened the excitement leading up to the bodybuilding shows. The IFBB has done a great job cross-promoting their athletes, and in return, the athletes and coaches post on their pages, which also have a ton of followers, and this has greatly helped the Federation grow. There is a cohesiveness between the IFBB and the NPC Federation and its promoters, coaches, and athletes. The synergy and the enthusiasm to cross-promote is unique to them. Big Rami, last year's Mr. Olympia, he live-streamed the athlete meeting before this year's Olympia competition, and I heard the organizers ask the athletes to post on their pages and promote the pay-per-view live stream, and I saw everyone I follow post about it. So there was a ton of buzz and promotion leading up to the show and during the show as well. According to Dan Solomon, who runs the Olympia, this year's show was the biggest Olympia of all time. The Amateur Olympia had 800 athletes competing, and the professional portion had 400 athletes. That is a huge show. The social media hype buzz and the hammering of promotional content worked. While other federations struggled during and coming out of COVID, it seems like the NPC and the IFBB prospered. I think it has to do with the synergy I was talking about and all the cross-promoting that is done. NPC and IFBB 
They dominate social media. All the promoters seem to be on the same page and wanting not just the success of the show that they do, but the success of the Federation as well. Here's an example of how other federations differ. As you know, I'm doing a podcast series called Meet the Federations, where I highlight various federations, and I bring on guests that know them the best to share what makes their federation different from others and why they think you should compete there. This is a phenomenal opportunity for federations to share an audience such as mine, and especially theirs, that is seeking information about competing. This set of podcast episodes is a one-stop place for comparing the federations. You would think each of the federations would want the promotion of their episode to go viral and ask other promoters, athletes, coaches, and such to share it. The information shared on the podcast is incredibly valuable for people interested in competing. But pay attention to how much promotion gets done across the various promoters, athletes that compete there, the coaches, and the federation itself. Notice the level of cross-promotion and compare it to what I said about how NPC and IFBB have come out of COVID swinging while other federations struggle to get numbers. So again, what is helping the NPC and the IFBB dominate is the synergy and the common goal among promoters, coaches, and athletes of cross-promoting to bring forth the growth of the federation. Back to the Olympia. I attended the expo and watched the first day of prejudging for the professional portion of the Olympia. I watched the live stream for the evening show and the rest of day two as well. The expo seems smaller than what I remembered the last time I was at the Olympia, which was maybe 10 years ago when I was director of U.S. and international sales for a supplement company, and I was there meeting customers. There wasn't anything groundbreaking at the expo except the addition of strongman activities. There was a lot of supplement companies, clothing, suit designers, gym equipment, and a couple podcasts. Actually, there was one unique booth that had to do with you becoming your own NFT. That was pretty cool. The entire prejudging, with the exception of the Mr. Olympia division, was done at the expo. It was very difficult to see anything, so you were better off watching it on the live stream unless you pay for the VIP tickets. There were many people in the front of the VIP section who were standing with their phones above their heads recording the classes, so unless you were them or at the front of the VIP section and you took a picture, you most likely have a big head or a hand with a phone in your pictures. I was at the back of the VIP section, so I had to move side to side to get a good glimpse of people and popped out into the aisle at times to get a picture. I stood on a chair for like five seconds to snap a picture so I could rise above the people standing and blocking the view. I got a good photo and then dropped back down fast enough so I wouldn't get kicked out. So although I had tickets for the second day at the expo to watch the rest of the prejudging, I opted to watch the live stream instead. The prejudging of the live stream wasn't in high definition, and there were issues with the sound pulling in the room noise intermittently, which was pretty annoying. So it wasn't perfect, but it was better than being at the expo and fighting for a view of the stage. I mean, what's the point if you can't see anything, right? After the prejudging, I pretty much had the winners of all the classes correct, with the exception of one class. Missy Truscott came out blazing in the fitness division, and without Whitney Jones, who backed out of the show a few weeks before due to health concerns, Missy was the favorite. So Missy's win was no surprise. The men's physique category was close, but at the end of the day, I think Aaron Banks, with his long and lean look, coupled with wide shoulders and a small waist, was a great pick. Brandon is amazing, but the longer and leaner look of Aaron is a better match for the judging criteria. The figure division doesn't seem to excite the audience all that much for some reason. I remember back in the 2000s, there was a ton of hype and everyone wanted to see Nicole, Devana, Monica, and of course, Jenny Lynn compete. Today, there isn't any hype. There isn't any hype on the women's physique or the women's bodybuilding divisions either. The winner of the figure division, Sydney Gillen, just won her sixth Olympia, you guys. And I don't see any of the post-show highlights talking about it. 
really, it's such an accomplishment. She is the all-time winning figure athlete now. Not saying that this is good or bad, I'm just sharing my observations. I do have to say that her win was not a close call, though. Her balance, proportion, stage presence, and perfect conditioning is never off. Sid has never shown up out of shape, and she doesn't come back year after year as a supersized version of herself. She shows up consistently year after year with a great package and doesn't ruin what is working. I'm going to elaborate on this concept of people who ruin what is working in a minute, but before I do, I just want to share my last observation of the figure division, and that I feel like the figure division just keeps getting bigger and bigger, except for Sydney. Maybe it's because everyone is trying to compete with her microscopic waistline by growing their shoulders wider to create the illusion of a smaller waist. I don't know, but they are super jacked, and no matter how much muscle they put on, when they stand next to Sydney, her graceful presence, her femininity, and perfect proportions, they're all an absolute standout. The second place winner from last year, I expected her to give Sydney a run for her money this year if she brought up her shoulders or hair because her symmetry was slightly off last year but instead she dropped quite a bit in placement. She got carried away in her off-season and brought up areas that didn't need bringing up, and it changed her physique completely. Her adductors, you guys, they were insanely prominent in her back pose, and they stood out. So Sydney was a slam dunk winner, if you ask me. Moving on to women's physique, the win was between Sarah Viejas and Natalia Coelho. Natalia is very young, and her insane amount of muscle and conditioning on her young frame looks very feminine. Sarah, who has won twice and is known for her insane conditioning, fell short of the package Natalia brought. Sarah has a longer and leaner look about her that is very pretty, but I think her posing this year threw off her physique. Her legs were really cut, but you didn't see that when she posed. Plus, she spent a lot of time in her individual presentation doing these very long posing holds on her tippy toes that really didn't do her any justice either. Natalia displayed the better package and won fair and square. Plus, she seemed super sweet, so I was happy to see her so genuine and gracious and excited when she was announced the winner. As for women's bodybuilding, Andrea Shaw was the clear-cut winner. She is a genetic masterpiece, you guys, and a natural poser. Big shout-out to Hella Trevino, though, for still getting a third-place trophy after suffering a major setback last year that included surgery with a six-month recovery. That's a huge achievement, but gotta give it to Andrea for her standout physique. I think she will continue to win as long as she brings the package she brought this year. Men's classic physique lit up the room like crazy. Everyone waited for Chris Bumstead to come out, and the crowd went wild when he did. Chris did not disappoint. There was a lot of hype about who was going to give Chris a run for his money, but at the end of prejudging, it was clear that Chris was untouchable. Logan Franklin, who was part of the pre-show hype about possibly giving Chris a run for his money, was noticeably missing from the lineup. Logan posted a video in tears because he had to back out of the show for health reasons on the day of the show. I saw a video explaining what happened on TikTok from a men's IFBB bodybuilder who claims to be connected on the inside. This guy claims that Logan almost died and was rushed to the hospital for issues with diuretics and insulin. I seriously can't with the freaking diuretics, you guys. It's insane. You may or may not know, but the Classic Physique Division has a weight cap that depends on your height. Apparently, Logan missed the weight limit and tried to do things to get his weight down. All I have to say is thank goodness someone was there to help him and save his life. But just wait till the Washington Post gets a hold of this info. If you haven't been paying attention, the Washington Post has come out with like five different articles on the bodybuilding industry, calling out specific coaches, the Mannions, J.M. Mannion himself, and the industry practices and dangerous protocols. They are on a tear, exposing quite a bit of things that have been hush-hush about in the bodybuilding industry. It's interesting to see the responses from these articles. They range from wham-wham, bodybuilding is being picked on, to it's about time some of these conversations were brought to life. 
Read the articles yourself and come join my Facebook group called Everything Else in Bodybuilding Podcast Insiders and come share your thoughts there with me. Anyways, on to the men's 212 division. It was exciting to watch Sean Clarita earn his first place trophy back. Sean's proportions and muscle detail is insane. You guys, there's a difference between young muscle and mature muscle. Sean didn't just show up on the scene in his 20s with a physique that has been supersized over a few years with drugs that only still looks pretty because of youth being on his side, only to, by the way, look like 40 by the time he's 28. Sean, no, he's been training for 20 years, and the quality and detail of his muscle today is a total standout. He put on five pounds of muscle over the past year and brought his best package to date. I want to highlight here that his muscle gain was five pounds. Five, not 15 or 30. He put on five pounds. His gains are realistic. And by the way, he is one of the nicest and most gracious people. He is someone you want to win because of his work ethic and demeanor. Moving on to the open men's bodybuilding, the wellness, and the bikini divisions, there was so much hype over these three divisions and the classic physique that you would never know there were all the other divisions I just talked about. So let's dive into the results of these divisions, and I will share my observations and cross-reference my thoughts with those of the post-show reports by trainers and podcast hosts. Let's first talk about the bikini division. Maureen Blanquisco took the crown from fan favorite Jennifer Dory. There were more posts on social media saying that Jen got robbed than there were congratulatory posts from Maureen, who, by the way, is absolutely gorgeous. Based on the fact that Jennifer won last year and she has this insane V-taper that draws your eye to a cartoon-like waistline, you would think that if she brought a similar package as last year, it would be a slam dunk win for her this year. The problem with bikini is there never is a slam dunk winner. The women are all incredible, and it comes down to who matches the judging criteria the best that day. And by the way, there's only two poses. I think competitors get caught up in their head, and they start listening to all the commentary of these so-called bikini coaching gurus, and forget that proper balance, shape, conditioning, symmetry, and the right amount of leanness is going to look completely different on your physique versus another. This past year, I've been observing the talk of bikini gurus, who by the way are not judges for the Olympia. And the consensus this year among so-called top coaches was that bikini was getting leaner and leaner. I think because of this, many competitors focused on getting super lean and showed up to the Olympia looking way too lean. Laura Lee Chapados was a fan favorite after winning like every show this year. When she first walked out on stage during prejudging, my eyes almost popped out of my head. She looked ridiculously lean and flat. You could see her ribs. Her stage presence was her going through the motions rather than her signature I'm going to eat you for breakfast competitive nature. She ended up in fifth place, but I think she got lucky there. Jennifer Dory, Maureen, and Ashley Kay, and Daraja were in the final callouts. And you know what? They all have very different physiques, and they all look amazing. Their interpretation of the judging criteria is unique to them and very different from each other. If Maureen listened to all the bikini gurus and came in leaner, she most likely would not have won. She has a beautiful display of full muscle bellies with excellent proportion from top to bottom. She is not shredded. She definitely is not a follower of all the hype and instead brought her best package. If you saw her individual routine, you would know what I mean there, too, about not being a follower. Almost everyone came out to the stage and had an additional walk to the back of the stage where more flying arm movements and poses were done before turning around and walking back to the front of the stage for more exaggerated arm movements and additional poses were done before walking off stage. Maureen did not do this additional walk back. That seems to be what every coach is teaching. Maureen was full of confidence and sass and was not overindulgent. She showcased herself and not a presentation that was a mediocre version of a posing tutorial. 
I find the posing and stage presence with the bikini division has become a very cookie-cutter one. There are posing tutorials that talk with conviction about what the proper way of walking and posing for the bikini division should look like. These tutorials should be considered a guide only. Bodybuilding is an individual sport, and the interpretation of the judging criteria is going to be different on you than it is going to look on someone else. Being able to walk in heels and present these poses in a way that is flattering on you is also unique to you. Right now, this marchy march walk for the bikini category, coupled with a ton of arm movements, has become the norm, and it honestly drives me insane if you couldn't tell. In addition, it became obvious how many women had poor control in heels at the night show at the Olympia. The floor was this super squishy material for the fitness girls to do their routines. Anyone that wasn't in heels didn't have a problem. The men in wheelchairs, though, for the wheelchair division, were getting a full-on upper body workout just wheeling themselves across the stage because the spongy material was tough to roll on. The high heel divisions had the most difficulty walking on this surface, and many women bobbled their stage walks and routines. People with incredible foot control like Yurishna and Franciel from the wellness categories commanded the stage like the bosses they are. Other people, not so much. Walking in heels isn't just a marching march walk. And that is what is being taught by people except for me. If you want to actually learn how to walk in heels, start by coming to my weekly posing fundamentals classes. I work on all things fundamentals that no one else is going to teach you. Speaking of, just a quick aside, and then back to bikini, I have to share. Ian Valier, he was one of the open men's bodybuilding competitors, had a hard time at this year's Olympia with his posing. He posted about it after the show and said he would focus on his posing, so I chimed in and said that I would help him with his movement patterns and make his posing effortless. Some of the comments I received from my posts were things like, you? I had to laugh. Maybe it was because I was a girl talking to an open male bodybuilder, or maybe because I wasn't one of these coaches that they expect them to work with. Whatever the reason, people underestimate what it takes to make someone who is an unnatural at posing and recreate their posing so it looks effortless. People who are naturals at posing, like Andrea Shaw, Yurishna, Chris Bumstead, they all make it look easy, but posing and stage presence are not easy for the masses. And I have not found any other coach that teaches the things that I teach. My goal when working with posing clients is to bring out their best features and not do a cookie cutter version of someone else's. If you want to learn how to look awesome and not an awkward replica of someone who is a natural poser, start by coming to my weekly posing fundamentals classes online. Go to weeklyposing.com and find out more. If I could stand on a worldwide billboard and get this message out to the world, I would. So much instruction on posing and presentation is very surface level and missing the pieces that will really make people awesome. One more beef I have with the bikini division is all the talk I am seeing about PEDs and how they are a normal part of bodybuilding. These physiques, you guys, are absolutely obtainable without PEDs. I'm shocked and saddened to hear coaches saying they are part of the sport. You guys, they are part of the sport because these coaches are making them a part of the sport by having them in their protocols. And some of these coaches I have found are actually supplying the drugs as well. You would be absolutely amazed what you can accomplish with your body with the right nutrition and training protocol and a whole lot of consistency. What is accomplishable naturally has become so out of touch with reality. I just saw a TikTok from some guy who thinks he knows everything about the women's divisions and said it right in the video that the bikini physiques are not accomplishable without drugs. He then flashes a physique that, I'm telling you, is totally achievable without drugs. So all the people in the comments be believe in this nonsense. So if you're a new competitor and you're listening to the show, block out the noise around you and focus on creating your best physique. 
If a coach is drug pushing, it's because he or she does not know how to dial your physique in without them. The drugs will expedite your progress and ensure a pro card for the coach, but that's about it. At what cost is the question, both literally and figuratively. Find a coach that understands physiology, nutrition, and has advanced knowledge on how to create the best physique with the least amount of strain, and can do it without PEDs. A coach that can do this is a real coach, not a pro card pusher. The women's wellness division was quite interesting this year. Franciel won again, but I have to say that she looked better last year. She looked different. Her insanely small waist looked thicker, and she was extremely lean. This is what I meant earlier when I said that competitors can really mess up what makes them look awesome by trying to over-improve it. Sydney Gillen is a six-time champion and comes back consistently awesome. Franciel, from one year to the next, made major changes. She is still incredibly athletic and gorgeous. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. She deserved the win. But I'm just comparing her physique last year to this year, and I don't think she improved it. She changed it. If she keeps doing this, she might close the gap on first and second place even more. Yurishna is such a beautiful presence on stage. While others bobbled all over the place on that overly squishy floor, Yurishna was doing full turns like she was floating on air. She is very talented at performing and has a very unique physique. Unfortunately, she's another one that overimproved and didn't place in top five because she wasn't adhering to the judging criteria. She has put on a lot of size in her upper body. I saw her training at the gym I go to in Las Vegas and her traps were like, whoa, in person. Wellness isn't about creating an upper body that is dominant. Overall, she had too much muscle size. The second place winner, Isabel Piera, was well-deserved. I nudged my husband of Vesalios when I first saw her come out, and I said to him, watch her. She's a sleeper. She really did give Francella a run for her money. She's definitely one to watch for next year. Last but not least, men's open bodybuilding. There was so much talk leading up to this Olympia about the depth of this division being the deepest it has ever been. I always say that everyone looks good in pictures and backstage, but once you line them up next to each other, it's game over. There was so much gossip on these bodybuilding podcasts about who was going to bring the heat this year. To name a few, we had Nick Walker, who was a fan favorite, Michael Krasanek, the newcomer to the IFBB, Derek Lunsford, who wowed everyone earlier this year at his guest posing event after like 30 pounds of muscle gain, and of course, last year's winner, Big Rami. So much of the commentary is just pure gossip, though. Perfect example. After the prejudging, Big Rami was on the end of the group lineup and not in the center where Derek Lunsford and Hottie Chupin were. There were people saying that Rami was pushed to the side because he was the clear winner and they were looking for second place and beyond. Rami ended up placing fifth, and if you ask me, that was a gift. These commentators believed so much of their own hype that they failed to look at the competitors impartially and judge critically. Big Rami did not bring the number one package. He was lucky to get fifth. When Derek Lunsford first came out and hit his front mandatory pose, the crowd gasped. Derek was the winner of the 212 category last year. He packed on 30 pounds of muscle on his 20-something-year-old frame in the offseason and came on the Olympia stage swinging this year. He fell short of Hadi Chupin's incredibly mature muscle and overall package, but Derek is the one to look out for going forward, not Rami. Nick Walker placed third behind Derek and Hadi, and that was good judging as well. So overall, the judges for the Olympia know what they want and chose the best of the best that day in all categories. Despite a few glitches with the live stream and the sound, the show was very well run and professionally done. The commentary for the women's categories left a lot of room for improvement. I feel like with the women's divisions, no one's really giving an honest opinion of what they see. Everyone's ooing and eyeing and whoosh, she looks great. In contrast, the commentary for the men's divisions, they tell it how it is and what they really think. It's a little bit more exciting that way, I think. 
For the women's divisions, you would think that everybody was a 10 out of 10. Everyone's afraid to hurt feelings. That's not commentary, that's boring. We need a little more honesty with the women's commentary. Next year, the Olympia will be back in Orlando. I really liked it being in Las Vegas because Vegas is a 24-hour town, while everything in Orlando shuts down at 8 p.m., but I wonder if it has to do with the time zone. The first night's evening show ran until like 3 a.m. for East Coast people. Being on the East Coast next year means they can start things three hours earlier and end a little sooner. The only drawback is everything will be closed afterwards, so if you're looking for food, you might end up at Denny's. And the gyms in Orlando, they just don't come close to the array of bodybuilding gyms in Las Vegas that you can choose from. On the plus side, the venue in Las Vegas is a casino where smoking is allowed. My eyes burned and I had a headache at the end of the day from all the secondhand smoke. So Orlando sounds a little bit better from that perspective. I guess everything has its pros and cons. All right, guys, that's a wrap on my observations and gossip from this year's IFBB Olympia. I'm going to continue my podcast series called Meet the Federations, and I already have a tentative guest coming on to talk about the NPC and the IFBB. I will also be highlighting other federations with two more guests coming up for this series as well. I also have an exciting new addition to my posing business that will be revealed very shortly, and I will be adding new podcast episode themes this year too. In the meantime, Spring is right around the corner, and the number one thing that all my posing clients have said to me is that they wish they started with me sooner. If you want to not just be good at posing, but become great, start by coming to a virtual posing clinic to learn how to execute the poses properly. Go to learnapose.com slash virtual clinic to attend one. They run weekly, and they begin again next week. If you know how to pose and you want to learn how to build your fundamentals, become great at posing and stage presence, go to weeklyposing.com to come to my signature posing classes where you will learn things you won't learn anywhere else. And if you really want to take it to the next level, come work with me one-on-one. Send me a DM on Instagram, or you're going to find me at the handle Michelle Welcome. And by the way, Michelle has one L. And let's get started. All right, guys, till next time. Ever wonder if you are posing correctly for your division? Learn to Pose is dedicated to taking out the guesswork on how to pose for all categories in bodybuilding. Learn five ways you can improve your posing skills in five minutes guaranteed at www.learntopose.com. There are free posing tutorials available for the bikini, figure, and men's physique categories. More on the way for other divisions in bodybuilding. It's free, so go access your free posing tutorial for bikini, figure, or men's physique at learntopose.com.